0: again, Everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pacillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial now, 103.9 on your FM dial, Joe, Joe Racinello, we've made it. We're on FM radio oh, Lord, in mercy. the New York metropolitan area. So you can hear, him, hear us both on AM and FM. Please be, de- be sure, excuse me, to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. Um, and you could download every program that's on Veritas. And if you don't mind where you see Joe and I, on social media, particularly The Frontline TV. The Frontline TV on YouTube. We just passed 60,000 subscribers and we're trying to build up our audience there. So if you do see us there um, or anywhere on social media, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And we are very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to our program, Father Dwight Longenecker. And I know our audience knows who Father Dwight is. However, I do want to give a brief introduction because we are going to be discussing his new book, Beheading Hydra, A Radical Plan for Christians in an Atheistic Age. Father Dwight was brought up in an evangelical home in Pennsylvania. After graduating from Bob Jones University with a degree in speech and English, he went on to study theology at Oxford University. Eventually, he was he was ordained as an Anglican priest and served as a curate a school chaplain in Cambridge and a county parson on the Isle of Wight. In 1995 he and his family were received into the Catholic Church and for 10 years they continued to live in England where he worked as a freelance writer and charity worker. In 2006 the door opened to return to the United States and be ordained as a Catholic priest. Thank God, Father Dwight now serves as a pastor as pastor of Our Lady of the Rosary Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Now this is what Robert Royal, who is the president of the Faith and Reason Institute had to say about Father Dwight's new book. Quote, Father Longenecker provides strong, practical suggestions for fighting and winning the perennial battle with evil. Close quote. Father Dwight Longenecker, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you Joe and Joe, great to be
1: with you. Thank you. Father, would you be so kind as to lead us in prayer before we get into this conversation
2: yeah i'm a big fan of saint benedict so i'm going to use this prayer which is based on his the prologue of his rule let us pray we pray lord that everything we do may be prompted by your inspiration so that every prayer and work of ours may begin from you and be brought by you to completion this we pray through christ our lord amen amen Amen.
1: Father, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the book, who or what is a hydra? To be honest with you, I didn't know what a hydra was until uh, I kind of got into this uh, research here. So please explain it to our listeners. They may not know.
2: Yeah, Joe, you must not have been given um, an adequate classical education. I clearly
1: wasn't. I'm from New Jersey. I'm I'm a knuckle-dragging pagan.
2: (laughs) Okay, because the hydra is a mythical beast from Greek mythology. And it lives, it's a dragon-like beast, a reptilian beast, which lives in the swamps of Lerna. I'm I'm really fascinated that it lives in the swamps because that word has been used a lot and recently in political terms, draining the swamp. And the swamps of Lerna are a fetid, smelly marshland at the gates of hell. Sounds so like the New hot- Jersey, Father. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And the the Hydra, therefore, is a beast of hell, and it is a reptile with many different um, snake-like heads. And when you cut off one head, two more grow back in its place. And the, the hero Hercules was sent to kill the Hydra, and he had to figure out how to kill this thing because if you cut off one head, two more grow back in its place. The myth says that the Hydra was a terrible, deadly beast and that even the smell the horrible smell of the hydro was would kill you it was venomous i love it i use this as an illustration for all the different forms of atheism that are that are out there in our society today you know
1: it's funny and again i you know when we do these interviews joe and i pride ourselves on the research that we put into it uh because to be truthful with you we're speaking to a list authors like yourself and and we learned we were just saying this before the show I can't tell you how much we learn you know over the course of this last year from people like yourself I read this about this book and I, I want you to comment and I, I thought it was a fascinating statement it said never before has humanity existed in a culture that rejects belief in the transcendent power previous cultures Even when rent by bitter disagreement shared a common belief that a greater force stood above the material realm, but when one side acknowledges an ultimate source of truth, while the other side denies it, debate is dead, and mutual understanding is impossible. Talk about that, because I think you're spot on, and I'd love to hear what you had to say about that statement.
2: Yeah, in researching this book, it, it came to me, I forget where I read that particular observation, but... The observation was that humanity, everywhere, in every culture, in every place, down through the ages and every time, have always believed in a transcendent power. In other words, some world, some power, which is greater than just the physical realm, whether they were Druids in ancient Britain, whether they were um, primitive people in the jungle of, of wherever, Papua New Guinea or wherever, whether they were Chinese or Indian or African or Asian, humanity has believed in a supernatural power, a divine power. And in fact, even today, the vast majority of people will say that they believe in God. They believe in a transcendent power. They believe in the other realm. They believe in heaven and hell. They believe in something which is beyond this physical realm. But when members of society get to the point where they refuse to believe that, and they want to believe the lie of materialism that the only thing that is real is the physical world then there's no communication with those people between those groups of people okay because uh we're believers for for example we believe in an invisible realm in a supernatural realm uh in a um in heaven and hell and god and angels and demons and the whole thing but if someone doesn't even believe that there is an invisible realm or a spiritual realm, there's no connection point because we believe in that the source of our truth and our conversation and our language is rooted in what we believe about the, phys- the invisible realm. If somebody doesn't have that belief system at all, then I say it's like playing on a j- tennis on adjacent courts. You're, you're, there's no connection. There's no there's no found fundamental um, basis for discussion or conversation.
1: You know, because uh, Joe, please.
0: No, that's okay. You're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, and we're in the breach with Father Dwight Longenecker discussing his new book, Beheading Hydra, a Radical Plan for Christians in an Atheistic Age. Father, do you think it on one level also, just to piggyback on what you said, you have, let's say, the rejection of the transcendent in favor of the material, but one question I would have for you is, but even those who espouse materialism now seem, which would imply that they follow science, and you hear that all the time, but there's even a rejection of, let's say, the material to a degree, if you know what I mean, when you when you talk about gender ideology and things like that, can you comment on that a little? Because I get confused, because if you're a materialist, then you say you follow science, but then you reject this notion, something basic, there's men, there's women, and one cannot be the other. How do they square that? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, that's a good question, because philosophically, science itself is rooted in a belief, uh, an understanding that there's an invisible realm. I mean, modern physics is, is, deals with in the invisible realm all the time. That's what they talk about. So there is still a foundational belief in the invisible, the tra- something, something, whatever it is, something transcendent to the material realm. But it, So good science actually believes that and works on that basis. But if you remove that basis, you're actually also removing the basis for anything we call truth. And therefore, facts don't matter either. all that's left is your is your sentimentality all that's left is your emotions all that's left is how you feel about something so if you wake up one morning and feel that you're actually a korean woman then you need to go and get surgery the modern world will tell you to go according to your feelings because now all that's left are your feelings and this is what the book talks about it talks about these different ideologies that don't believe there's such a thing as truth okay And, and where and where that leaves us
1: But in the book, getting back to the, the title itself, uh, Hydra has a number of heads and you discuss like 16 isms and saying that materialism is, is the most uh, like dangerous of them all. Talk a little bit about why materialism uh, is the focus of those heads, but also some of the other isms uh, that you note in the book, very artfully, by the way, uh, by using Hydra as the symbol.
2: Well, materialism, I call the great granddaddy of the mall. It's the central head, if you like, because materialism is not just going to the mall to drop and shop until you drop. Okay. That's the the normal sort of definition of materialism. Oh, he's very materialistic. He has to have a new Tesla. He has to have the big house. He has to have the boat. There's the, you know, the jet skis and the house at the lake. He's very materialistic. Yeah, that's a symptom of materialism called greed. Okay. But the philosophy of materialism is the philosophy that, as I've said, the belief that there's no supernatural realm, there's no heaven, no hell, no afterlife, um, no angels and demons. There's no supernatural, invisible realm. All that there is is this physical realm that you can tuss- touch, uh, taste, feel, and see, and hear, and that's all there is to, to reality. Um, of course, this has had, this philosophy has had different um, names down through the ages but uh, i call it materialism because it's based in only the material realm and from that all of the other isms kind of tumble out from there so for instance atheism must follow from materialism because if you don't believe in an invisible realm it's impossible for you to believe in god because god is the ultimate invisible reality so atheism and materialism are linked and these various uh, various other isms that i talk about in the book which what i talk about later um, are, are, are actually spin-offs, if you like, or consequences of materialism. Let's so, let's. Oh, go ahead, Father, please. Yeah. So sentimentalism, for instance, which we were just talking about, uh, features in one of the chapters of the book. If there is no invisible realm, there's no ultimate reality, no ultimate truth. Then all you're left with is uh how you feel about things your sentiments about things your sentiment that's called sentimentality and time and again we see people in our society making all sorts of decisions really important decisions about politics about sexuality about morality about war about all sorts of things based on their their sentiments and their feelings now if we're talking about sentimentalism for a minute what's dangerous about this is that when people think about sentimentalism they're usually enticed by the late debate of the the nice sweet sentiments you know the nice feelings the tenderness the being kind to people so you will help people say for instance well this person you know is uh this young girl thinks that she's actually a boy so we don't want to hurt her feelings we want to be kind to her we want to be nice to her so we're gonna enable her to take Um, Puberty blocking drugs, and then we're going to actually enable her and we want the government to pay for her to have surgery so that she can actually be physically um, mutilated to be transformed, so called into a boy. Okay, that the, the feelings there are tenderness towards the young girl, we don't want to hurt her feelings. Similar thing about the abortion debate. We want to be kind to women. We want to be helpful to women. We want to help women in crisis pregnancies. We feel sorry for them. Therefore, we're going to give them an abortion to help them out of their problems. However, we forget that there are other feelings as well. they are not just tender feelings and sweet feelings towards helping people. Other feelings in the human heart are anger, resentment, rage, violence. And so the sentimental um, sweet feelings that we have don't they're like chocolates okay they don't last very long and they melt in the heat so as, as soon as things begin to get tough the other emotions now that we've already given ourselves over to emotion only emotion now the other emotions of violence rage uh revenge um they come sweeping into our hearts and because we've already given ourselves over only to our emotions that's what takes over and that's what we're seeing in our society also with the smash and grab with the violence in the streets. With the race, the racism accusations going back and forth, this is all rooted in rage and in resentment, and these are feelings which are very strong feelings, stronger than the feelings of center of sent, of sentimentality and tenderness.
1: Well, are That's are why we th- also seeing that in the family, father? Because ultimately, like love itself, is becoming very sentimental. I mean, just like you said, you know. Uh, It's like chocolate. It melts in your hand. As we all know, we're all married men. You know, things happen in a family, you know, with kids, with a lot of balls in the air, you know, your economic situation. All of a sudden, you know, when the rubber meets the road, all of a sudden uh, that chocolate seems to be melting and our family's falling apart.
2: Yeah, you know, this is a good point. God has given men the gift of objectivity in a way that he has not given to women. He's given women very much a gift of relationality, Okay, women are far better at the relationship thing and the feelings things. How many, how many of us men have heard our wives say, honey, you need to get in touch with your feelings, okay? <laughs> or honey, what are you feeling? And the man says, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that look, that's not true. <laughs> honey, what are you feeling? I don't know, I'm a guy, okay? If you want feelings, marry a woman. Um, I'm teasing, okay? But I, we all know what this is like. Yeah. But that objectivity that we've been given is being eroded because we're we're not expected to make an objective decision but in a family very often it's the dad who needs to draw the line and say hang on we know this is how we feel this is what this is, we're feeling emotional here but let's actually go beyond the emotions and look at the truth of the matter and make a real solid decision
0: Father Longenecker, I want to I want to ask you a question because when you speak, Father, I tell you I, I have nine 9,000 thoughts going through my head because everything you say is just so true. Talk, talk to our audience, please, at the Veritas Catholic Network. You talked about sentimentality, which we are taught nowadays is really what love means. Now, we know that to, to not be true, okay? Sentimentality and love are not the same thing, okay? Or even being kind, okay? It's not the same thing. It's not synonymous with love. Talk about This separation, because you mentioned the word truth, that you cannot separate love from truth, that there is no love without truth, and there's no truth without love. And sentimentality is not a, a substitute for that. Please talk to our audience about that, because I think we're inundated with that in our culture in particular.
2: I love your comments on that. St. Thomas Aquinas says that love is desiring the good of the other. Okay, love is desiring the good of the other. Okay, why do we give our loved ones presents? Because we want them to be happy. We desire their good. Okay, so we're trying to please them and make them happy, make them joyful. So we give them stuff. Okay, but also to desire the greatest good for that person is desire the salvation of their soul. To desire to see them in heaven one day. Desire to to, Desire to see them to have a genuinely happy, well-based, stable life in the future. So we say. So we say to our kids when they're making wrong decisions, Hey, that is a bad decision. You're going the wrong path here. And I'm telling you this not because I hate you, and not because I'm really, really mean, and not because I'm being an aggressive, um, assertive father, but because I love you, and I want what is good for you, which is your ultimate happiness. So oh, the, yeah, that's so. Yeah, true. yeah, love is to desire the good of the other. That's a good foundational, objective definition of love from Saint Thomas Aquinas, who's as clear sighted and hard-headed as you can get.
0: <laughs> you're at the front line with joe and joe joe Pasola, joe rescinal on the veritas catholic network joe i'm gonna hand it over to you
1: well you as you said i mean F- father just gave us like a little brief taste of some of the isms that he's covering in his book um father so many people are deceived I mean, like, and and I want you to talk about this because, like, including Catholics and I believe, and please correct me if you if I'm wrong. You know, like, I think it's we're not embracing the sacramental life as we should. You know, you don't have. to, I mean, Father's a very learned man. He went to Oxford. Um, I, I always say, like, Joe and I, we're not St. Thomas Aquinas, but we're not uh, Joseph Cupertino either. You know, not everyone's reading like the encyclicals uh, out there, but. You don't have to be an intellectual to see, but I think it's embracing uh, the sacramental life that helps us to see, and we're not doing that. As we all know, only 31% of our Catholic uh, brothers and sisters believe in the true presence. Talk about not living a sacramental life, which leads to blindness and being fooled by these isms.
2: Right. One of the other isms that I discuss in the book is scientism. And scientism, of course, flows on from materialism. Mm-hmm. If you believe that the material world is the only world that exists, then scientism follows from that. And I'm getting to the sacraments in just a minute, so I'm, I'm leading up to it, okay? Um, the scientism is the ism that follows materialism because if you believe materialism, the material world is all there is, then the only source of truth that you will trust is science okay? And scientism is the belief that um, the only valid source for truth is scientific discovery, okay? Now, this science has actually, what that's done is that is actually put materialistic, the materialistic worldview up on a pedestal and ruled out um, the transcend, transcendent, ruled out God, ruled out the supernatural, ruled out religion completely. It's only science. So, The way to battle scientism, I say in the book, and what I do in the second half of the book is I go through and give 16 remedies for the 16 different isms within the Catholic life. And so sacramentalism is the antidote to scientism. Why is that? Because science separates the natural world, the physical world, the material world, from the transcendent, from the supernatural. The sacraments put them back together. In the sacraments, we believe that the invisible supernatural world is, commu- is communicated through God's grace, which comes through the physical realm, the bread, the water, the oil, the laying on of hands. The physical aspect of the sacraments is actually very important because at that point, Uh, there's a bridge there's a link there's a marriage between heaven and earth between the material realm and this and the spiritual realm and it's no surprise at all so many catholics do not believe in this in the power of the sacraments and the reality of the sacraments sacraments because these isms as i say in the book have penetrated all through our society and penetrated into our church as well um it was 500 years ago at the protestant revolution that the sacrament the link between heaven and earth was broken as the protestants began to throw out the sacraments when they threw out the sacraments and said they're only symbols um they're not there's not a reality there they they help to promote this break between the supernatural and the natural world yeah
0: i i it's it's fascinating. Yeah, you, know, you you brought up the Protestant Revolution, okay, which I I I mark as let's say the 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 beginning of this the major decline in Western civil uh, civilization. Father, one of the things that seems to strikes me in this conversation, we're at the front line with Joe and Joe with Father Dwight Longenecker, who we're talking about his new book, Beheading Hydra: A Radical Plan for Christians in an Atheistic Age. It strikes me in in, in everything that I've learned that that one of the primary, if not the primary, gift of Western civilization. Uh, also you know through the catholic church is our identity i think we have a crisis of identity nowadays is a major problem now i was taught from a very early age that my identity is that i'm a special human being made in the image and likeness of god that that is our special joe c- i try to be <laughs> special but that's central to to who i am i know god actually knows who i am talk about the decline or would you link the decline in western civilization to the erosion of that idea
2: (laughs) yeah not not just that idea but what what i was talking about earlier that the belief that through the sacramental system uh which is integral to catholicism is that god is alive god is at work in the world and god god's grace is infused in and through the world in and through the natural world through human history as you say through every human being who has a spark of divine life within them but also in western civilization we see this um flowing through every aspect of of what the greatness of western civilization so if you look at a great cathedral for instance you're seeing a beautiful example of architecture which is infused with divine grace if you look at the justice systems the education systems, the community systems the economic systems of western europe in christendom you're seeing um economics you're seeing politics you're seeing um architecture art music all of them infused with the the belief and and the reality of God's grace, the reality of a supernatural spirit which is flowing through all of these things. This is integral to Western civilization and integral to our view of the human person. And when this is taken away, you can be sure, and we fall back into materialism, we're falling back into something which is not even as good as paganism, because even the pagans believed in a a supernatural um, spirit that was running through all created order. We're actually falling back into an animalistic um view of reality where we're governed we're governed only by our brute instincts right
0: somebody might say father that that oh well you know you don't need god to build these beautiful buildings and everything else well look i i have eyes i could see okay when you talked about art you talked about music or let's say painting music sculpture architecture since this whole idea of the the transcendent infusing all these things has been eroded because of materialism Is anybody going to turn around and say modern architecture or modern art or modern music or any of it is is beautiful? Can they tag those things with the word beautiful? And I mean objective beauty. I don't think they can. You see the ugliness of a culture that that is devoid of God and the belief in the transcendent.
2: Yeah, I was reading some of the um, lyrics from one of the rappers the other day, the one that where there was this um, crowd went out of control and people were killed at his concert, and I forget who he is called, but the lyrics of it were just pure sort of... It, it was not nothing Mozart, like poetry. Father, that's for sure. It, it, was, it was pornographic, it was violent, <laughs> it was ugly, it was racist. Um, it was just vile. Uh, again, it was animalistic stuff. And we're taught and, nowadays that that's art. Right, and when's the last time you saw a beautiful church, a beautiful modern church? Okay, um, you come to my parish in Greenville, South Carolina. We built one, so it can it can still be done, but it's built with the idea, of course, that a church is not just um, a functional building. And this brings us to another one of the isms if we will talk about it from which is called utilitarianism. Utilitarianism is the belief that uh, what is practical and and what and what is pragmatic and what works is the only truth is what is what's best so why are the modern churches so often ugly because they're not temples they're not um houses of the divine and the transcendent the architect has simply come in and said well we need a practical building where 500 people are going to be able to sit in comfort and hear the speaker um and Uh, We hope that the toilets are going to work, and we want the sound system to work, and we want the HVAC to work, and it needs and it needs to drain the water off properly. So it's just a build, basically a big barn where people can come and sit and hear a preacher. Okay, which is a very Protestant idea of architecture. Father, you mentioned, like, you you
1: talked about some of these isms have made their way into the church, and let's be real, they have, but they always have. From the very beginning, there was Judas, and we're not going to go in that direction, but the reality of it is, it's there. And I read something by Cardinal Sarah, uh, In I'm reading Pell's book right now from prison, and he quotes Sarah when he says, prayer is the lifeblood of the church, and once we stop praying, there's death, and ultimately the spirit of the world which has entered the church i attribute that to a lack of connection to the lord we're relying on ourselves too much our own intellect our own ideas we're not praying we're not going to confession talk about that need father about two minutes
0: father about two minutes uh before the break just to give you a heads up
2: um cardinal sarah of course is right about that and again remember in the book I set up different antidotes to the different isms and the antidote to atheism is prayer because of course if you don't believe there's a God you're not going to pray okay (laughs) but as soon as you do pray you're asserting and you're living your belief in God and all of the antidotes that I set up in the second half of the book are actually practical things you can do to counter these insidious ideologies that are in our society if you if you follow one of those ideologies, you, you enact them by default because you're acting out what you believe, even if you don't know, you don't know, but you believe it. Whereas we are talking about an intentional Catholic life, which is taking real action in practical ways to counter these things in a very real and practical way. So prayer um, opens up the heart to God, opens up the world to God, opens up our home to God, so that this transcendent power and reality starts to flow through our lives into the world to to transform us, transform our families, transform our parishes, transform the world
0: yeah yeah I, I, Father just to tell you we're gonna take a break okay I, I, but along those lines and I want to mention this to our audience, I had a buddy of mine been, been away from the church for about a dozen years or so and along the lines of what you're saying, he find like he, he asked me to help him I got him to a good priest for a good adult confession. he's been coming to mass and everything else. He said, well what what, what, what would you recommend like like what do I do? I said'm not the, I'm not the one who's bringing you back to the church. it's the Holy Spirit I said the best thing you could do is make sure you are going to Mass every Sunday, stay close to confession, but you, if you're not praying every day, you're not gonna be guided properly. You have to you have to pray every day and God God will answer your prayers. God will move you in the right direction. I think that's a, a great message to, to get out there. Father, we're gonna take a break, but I'd love for you to tell quickly our audience and then we'll tell them again later on
2: where, where your book will be available. Yeah, the, the first print run of the book is sold out already, which is kind of good news, I hope, um, but also, uh, it'll be available in, in in the middle of January again through Amazon, through my website, DwightLongenecker.com, and through the publisher's website, Sophia Institute Press. Yeah, we 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 absolutely recommend to our
0: audience: do not buy the book when it's available on Amazon, Sophia Institute Press, or Father Longenecker's website. You're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Rasinello. The book beheading hydra a radical plan for christians in an atheistic age the author father dwight longenecker is in the breach with joe and joe on the veritas catholic network 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial serving the new york metropolitan area don't go anywhere we have another fascinating segment with father longenecker coming right up after the break
3: this is steve lee with veritas catholic network here's something fun We're giving away two tickets every day for a special live audience taping of Let Me Be Frank on Thursday, April 7th. To enter, email us at info at veritascatholic.com. The special live audience show with Bishop Caggiano is hosted by Liv Harrison, features live music by Father Joseph Gill and the Restless Band, and will be emceed by Joe Pasillo, co-host of The Frontline with Joe and Joe. I am excited. This is something different and fun and edifying. The live show is the centerpiece of our first gala event with Veritas, so there's also cocktails and hors d'oeuvres, and time to meet and chat with the hosts of all of our Veritas shows. All the information is online at veritascatholic.givesmart.com. And like I said, we're giving away two tickets every day. To enter to win, simply email info at veritascatholic.com. Include your name and phone number, and we'll select two winners every day. And have a look at the online event site. All the silent auction items are already there and available for bidding too. That site is VeritasCatholic.GiveSmart.Com. Hope to see you next Thursday. Welcome back,
0: everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Rasinello, in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, and we are joined by Father Dwight Longenecker. We're discussing. His new book, Beheading Hydra, A Radical Plan for Christians in an Atheistic Age. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello.
1: Father, in your book, you talk about solutions, and Joe and I are all about solutions. Basically, you say, uh, and I, I think this is very interesting, and I, I really want you to, to speak to it. Your book calls for neither direct conflict nor even dialogue. But what you call creative subversion, talk about this. I think that's a very interesting, uh, like, you know, idea different.
2: You mentioned before, Joe, that, um, you know, the church has been uh, battling these different heresies and different problems and ideologies from the beginning. And you're absolutely right. But it's especially been accelerated over the last 500 years, beginning with the Protestant Revolution. I I call these 500 years the age of revolution, beginning with the Protestant Revolution. And then there's the Enlightenment Revolution, the French Revolution, the Italian Revolution, the Russian Revolution, um, the American Revolution, Uh, all of these revolutions. Uh, and then the industrial revolution, the sexual revolution, uh, and now the technological revolution. And all these revolutions are rooted in uh, a rebellious spirit, rooted in uh, revolution, okay? And um, going back to your—what your, your what was your point again, Joe, that you were no, asking about creative me? subversion. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. And the church has— um, battled against these things in various different ways, three different ways. The first way was direct conflict, direct argument, and sometimes down through history, even using military force, where the where the church uh, called to the civic authorities and said, send an army in there and get rid of those heretics, um, you know, lock them up, take them to the Inquisition, even kill them. Okay. And so direct force, whether it's by, um, uh, um, you know, military action, or whether it was like um, well, under Pius IX and Pius X, where there was an index of books, and people had to take an oath against modernism, and there was a kind of um, inquisitional attitude in the church in, in 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 Catholic colleges and so forth, in clamping down and so forth. All that does really is drive the drive the heresy underground, and it comes back again like a head of Hydra. Cut one head off, two more come back in its place. Mm. The second reaction has been accommodation. And that is, let's dialogue, let's talk, let's accompany these people, and let's listen to what they're saying and draw from what's good in what, and what, and affirm what's good in what they're saying, and try to draw them closer to the church by doing this. And of course, this is what we're trying to do in the present, at the present time. We're trying to walk with them, we're trying to accompany, we're trying to listen, we're trying to accommodate. Uh, and of course, all this does is weakens the faith and when this happened uh, in the 18th century when there was a group of benedictines and jesuits in europe who were accommodating the spirit of the enlightenment those religious orders eventually petered out and fizzled out because their their, their faith was weakened instead of drawing the um heretics to the faith they were their faith was actually uh, compromised and through accommodation it was weakened the third option has always been what the saints have done Which is what I call creative creative subversion. Which is, put simply, they've simply lived the Christian life, the Catholic life. They've lived the gospel. They've lived a saintly life, according to the teachings of the Church and according to the practices of their faith. And by this, they have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and their lives, and their parishes, and their families have been radiant examples of Christ's love and God's action in the world. Uh, And that's what actually changed the world that's what attracted people to the faith and they wanted to to, to follow it Um, see i
1: agree with that And, and i i i read this that you said this uh in another interview you said it's ordinary men and women who become extraordinary heroes in this battle against satan only by the light of our lives will we defeat this darkness debate and dialogue are now pointless our lives are the only remaining argument i'll just speak for myself i mean i was raised catholic I went to Catholic school, um, but it wasn't until I saw Catholicism live to the fullest that opened my eyes. I always say this, if people really see a Catholic operating on all cylinders, you stop traffic. I'm telling you this right now. It's a fact. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a priest or a lay person, we're not seeing it and you hit it right on the head it's right in your own community it's right on your own street but we have to be animated by the sacraments in order to do that we have to be animated by prayer talk about that a little bit
2: yeah i'll I'll just use i'm not bragging i hope i'm not bragging too much but i'll just use the example of our parish in greenville south carolina um i went there 11 years ago and found a pretty ordinary american catholic parish which It had a lot of good people, but also it was just sort of rumbling along on maintenance level, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And um, over the years, we've seen uh, the people really begin to take their faith seriously, starting new prayer groups, starting new um, uh, pro-life activities, getting involved in their faith and actually trying to live it out. And now we find that we have families moving in from around the country to come and belong just specifically to come and belong to our parish and put their kids in our school and we now have over 700 families um, who are fired up and are really enthusiastic we're about about to we built a beautiful new church we're about to build a new school and the families are there because they're attracted to that these are large families with six five six seven eight nine ten kids and on sunday morning the courtyard is full of the kids running around and playing and tossing a football and the parents chatting. And when others come to that mass, they say, wow, I want to come here too. I want, I want Mm -hmm. this is the place I want to bring my family up. This is what I want to do in the world. And so I believe this is possible at the family level at the parish level at the diocesan level. And also if you look at church history, this is always the way it's happened. It's always begun at the grassroots and worked its way up. It is not, and it begins small. It begins, um, secret and god blesses it and it begins to grow and really make change happen. father and
1: the thing i love I, about that
2: joe j- just real quick go is ahead go ahead go ahead
1: you didn't invent anything new no. you're sticking to basics you have a classical education system in your school you're doing the basics pray the rosary sacraments that's what it's about stick to the basics blocking and tackling the church will grow
0: Joe, I want to I want to piggyback off uh, or, or or continue on what Father was talking about because he mentioned families, okay, and mentioned he also a little while ago mentioned revolutions, okay. One of the more nefarious revolutions being the sexual revolution in the 1960s, okay. You just mentioned Father big families, all right? It means that those men and women are open to life okay they obviously are not buying into the lies now father everybody if you know it's easy you know some of our evangelical brothers and sisters you know they agree with us on abortion and gender ideology and all that never quite getting to the root and the root being the contraceptive mentality that's the source of the problem detaching the procreative and the unitive from the sexual act okay Talk about that particular head of Hydra and what we could do, particularly as Catholic lay people, within, within our own lives and families, uh, to, to cut that particular head off.
2: One of the most insidious lies I hear in society today amongst Catholics is we can't afford any more children. This is crazy, okay? these are This is said by usually middle-class people, very often with a double income, who have three or four times more money than their parents or their grandparents ever dreamt of having, but their parents and grandparents had plenty of kids, okay? And so, um, nevertheless, we hear that, and especially when it comes to Catholic education, they say, we can't afford to put our kids into Catholic school, we can't afford the tuition. So me and uh, I and my um, wonderful headmaster, Tommy Curtin, made a decision two years ago. We said, we're gonna institute something called the Faithful Family Scholarship. And in our school, um, to encourage faith, what we call faithful families, people who are, who are not buying into the contraceptive lie, we say, you pay tuition for the two oldest kids, all the rest come free. And so our school is full and, our, and is full of really committed families who really buy into this. And furthermore, people have said, you can't do that. You know, your budget is going to go down the toilet. You're, you're gonna, you're, this is, we're operating the school this year with $100,000 surplus, okay? Because these families are committed. These people are committed, and they open their wallets when we have a fundraiser, okay? So, we have one family, for instance, who have eight kids. They're taking advantage of the Faithful Family Scholarship, but they believe in the school. They um, believe in our parish. They're good, faithful, committed converts, I should add. Um, and when we had the fundraiser, that dad opened his checkbook and wrote a check for a 100000 okay? So, These people are bringing their enthusiasm and their commitment so that actually if you step out by faith and do something radical like that, which we did, and believe me, the diocese and the other people who are in leadership said, oh, no, you can't do that, you know, your budget will really suffer, we're actually benefiting from it.
1: But Father, I'll you know, be honest with you. I have five kids and I'm that guy where <laughs> how I'm gonna educate my kids. You just explained, you know, me. You know, you describe me. You
0: Joe, know, I just wanna
1: I, I just want to mention one
0: thing. I, I I think it's important. I'm sorry to cut you off, but what, what you said, Father, really, really struck me because what you just described is so beautiful, but something that we really need to you know to to tell our audience out there at the Veritas Catholic Network and a lot of people. It's one thing we talked earlier about believing in the transcendent. We believe in God, the Father Almighty. we all do. but what what you just talked about, how
2: about trusting?
0: in god the father
2: almighty what if i'm the, again i'm not bragging but i'm using this as an example but what if every pastor who has a suffering catholic school and we all know that our catholic schools across the country are going downhill real fast because of lack of enrollment what if our our pastors and our headmasters and our principals got together with their people and said, this is what we're going to do. We're doing something called the faithful family scholarship, and we are going to find the money to put your kids in our Catholic school to get a good Catholic education. Okay. People will respond positively to that. Mm -hmm. People will say, yeah, we believe this father. We're going to take a step of faith with you. We're going to do this. Now, of course you'll get your naysayers and people back out and say, no, we're not going to do that. And I would say, okay, bye-bye. Father, you know, Catholic education is so important because
1: they're dedicated teachers and they believe in what they're doing. Why is it, and this is why I love what you just said, why is it just for rich people? You know, there was a time that working class people could get a Catholic education. That's no longer in America. You have to be a professional person. It costs bucks to send you, and that is sad. You know what's going on in the public schools. They're indoctrinating our kids and we allow it. We allow it. And this is where I sometimes shake my head, like what you're doing is proactive, and this is what people need to do. Because, why should it just be for the rich? And that's what it is. Let's be real. And it's the poor people that make the church roll in many
2: respects. The other, th- the other thing is, we say to all of our people no matter what your level of income, if you want your kids in, a, if you're a member of this parish and you want your kids in our parish school, we will help you to make, to make it financially possible for you. So, for instance, we have some of the families who are lower income, and we say to them, put your kids in the school, we'll cover it. And we'll say, for instance, we have a food pantry for the poor and it gets stocked up on Thursday mornings by our faithful volunteers because we're, we're in a low income uh, demographic where our church is. And I'll say to our, our families who are lower income, you come in on Friday morning with your shopping bags and get as much from that food pantry as you need for your family for next week because although I can't write checks to you for $50 a week for your groceries, you can come in and get some groceries and save yourself $50 a week. So there's all sorts of ways of supporting our families and helping our families if we have a will to do so.
0: Father, for uh, for those of you just joining us, we are at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, we're being joined by Father Dwight Longenecker. We're discussing his new book, which is a must-buy when it comes out in January, because the first run already sold out, thank God. Um, the book is Beheading Hydra, A Radical Plan for Christians in an Atheistic Age. Um, and you're at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Father, I something I wanted to ask you this. Because there's a lot of people out there that might be listening to us. Okay, maybe they're single. You know, they're 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 not married. They they don't have a family. I want to pivot for a moment to sin, for the simple reason that you said obviously the the renewal. I'm I'm going to put a word in your mouth. The renewal comes from the bottom up. Okay, Joe and I try to say all the time. If you if you want to fight this culture war and this spiritual battle, more importantly that we're in, you really have to clean up your own house as best you could. But we talked about the need to stay close to the sacrament. Talk about though, because we're the particular head of hydra out there that that seems to be uh, you know penetrating our our consciousness as catholics is a lot of the thing a lot of the 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 views about sin or 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 what is grave sin what is not grave sin and people do this that or the other talk about how we need to recognize sin and how sin dulls the intellect and weakens the will and if you really understand this culture war you need to address that could you could you
2: talk about that a little bit Yeah, again, it goes back to definitions, and what is sin? Sin, there's this uh, beautiful verse in Romans which says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, sin is anything which causes us to fall short of the glory of God. And what is the glory of God? Well, St. Irenaeus, a theologian from the 2nd century, says, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And of course, he means a man or a woman fully alive. In other words, a saint a man or a woman living life to the full, becoming all that God created them to be. That's the glory of God. So sin is anything which keeps us from doing that. Sin is any distortion or um, twistedness of any kind of love, whether it's sexual love or love of the physical world or love of pleasure or love of achievement. Whatever the love is, it's a legitimate love, but sin twists it. That's all Satan can do is twist love. So we need to have a clear... mind and a clear heart and a clear vision to be able to see what our full potential is and then to live that out and and realize that sin is anything which is keeping us from doing that and if we want to see our full potential we need to read the lives of the saints because the lives of the saints illustrate for us and show us what god's perfection in life really is and it's real you see the lives of the saints that was one of the greatest books
1: i've ever read i read a whole book on all the saints little blurbs there's a lot of common threads but they're real people that made a choice we can make that choice what makes these people any different than us except they had courage they had courage they were willing to go against the grain too many of us father we just go along to get along they all lived creative subversion That's what we have to do, and that's where we change this culture. I'm telling you, Catholicism lived to the full. Stops traffic, it stops traffic. Well, we're we're going to be interviewing a couple
0: of um, Dominican uh, Dominican brothers from Scotland, okay? Who, Joe, where did they
1: do that walk from? It's Uh, funny you mentioned that, Uh, Father. I was going to mention this to you. That's providential, Joe. I was going to mention because Father went to Oxford. They're Oxford grads. They commemorated the 800th anniversary of uh, Saint Dominic, and they mar they they did a pilgrimage 230 miles to Oxford, I believe, from Kent. Young men wearing their habits walking across the countryside. Well, and one thing that that struck me, and why
0: I brought it up, is they were joined by Anglicans. In other words, you, 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 in other words, when again, it's the witness that could bring people together. Okay, um, because as you say in the book, and let's make it clear for everybody out there, we cannot chop off Hydra's head, one of his heads, they're going to grow two back, we have to find a different solution, and the way I'm reading everything you're saying, Father, it's going to begin with 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 the personal holiness that, as Joe says, will stop people in the tractors says, "Wow!" Well. or as you mentioned, Father, about people who see those big families in your parish, wow, I
2: want some of that, comment on that, Father, please. I think, again, it begins with the individual, and it also begins with our families, and it begins with our with our parishes. We'll go back to the parish, the the family um, question. You know, yesterday at Mass, we read uh, the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ from Matthew's Gospel. So I was standing up at Mass, and I was reading, and Amos beget Japheth, and Japheth Jehoshaphat, and all these great <laughs> long names, right? Um, it took about five minutes to read the whole thing. <laughs> And I I said to my people, I said, the point about this genealogy is to remind people that God is at work in human history and God is at work in human families. He chooses to use families to transmit his grace in the world. That's why Satan hates the family. That's why he will try to tell young people, to delay marriage not to get married not to have kids to get a divorce if things get go wrong because satan hates marriage he hates husbands he hates wives he hates children that's why he promotes abortion uh, in all of these ways satan hates the family therefore the family is the kernel and the um channel of god's grace in the world we have to we have to promote our families and build up our families and our marriages like never before father
1: there's Absolutely. a chapter in the book um, where you summarize all the isms, and it's it's a conversational format with the devil. Talk about that, and why is that a very important chapter? Because I think that kind of, like, you know, brings it all together.
2: At the end of the first half, I have a, a little um, dramatic dialogue between Faust, the famous character from German literature who sold his soul to the devil, uh, and the devil who comes calling one night at three in the morning. And they discuss and the devil um, tries to seduce him with um, a practical vision of what happens with all the different 16 isms he's not explicit about it but you see if you've read the first half of the book you see what this is a summary of all of the different um, isms together and it's I'm trying to make the point that these isms are hidden in our society in our culture i make the point that america is today an atheistic culture not atheistic in an explicit the way the way it was in communist russia but instead it's woven through our society in many many different levels uh, in the education in the advertising in the politics in the economics uh, in our basic culture and in a foundation of our culture these 16 isms of forms of atheism are woven through so we, we miss it you know very few people will stand up tomorrow and say i'm a sentimentalist or i'm a utilitarian um, or i'm a materialist but they will live that way and mm-hmm. they will make their decisions that way because they've been they've been brainwashed by our society and by our educational system and our and our media
1: you know you're
2: right they won't use those isms as in
1: the word but what i will say is this their lives aren't working Something I say constantly on the show, just look out your window. It's not working. You see, the ways of this progressive agenda, it's going to collapse under its own weight. It doesn't work. And this is what I'm hoping happens is people all of a sudden say, well, look at this guy. What makes him any better than me? And his life's working. What makes him different? The answer is God. Just like you're saying father what you're doing in your schools your parishes this is the answer
2: it is the answer and the more we turn back and actually look at what western civilization consisted of and why it consisted of that um, the more we will begin to understand it but of course the progressive agenda is trying to cancel that as fast as it can it's trying to rule out anything about god anything about christianity trying to portray the catholic church as being this racist bigoted um, cruel institute of uh, child abusing institution, and the media is slanted very heavily against anything uh, from the past which reeks of God and reeks of the divine. And you know, madness is um, defined as doing the same thing but expecting a, a different a different um, result. And I think the progressives are continuing to say the reason this isn't working is because we didn't do enough of that. So they're trying to do this, just do more of the same thing. And that's kind of like putting orange juice in your gas tank. And when the car doesn't run, you say, I obviously didn't put enough orange juice in. I need to open the back window and fill the back seat with orange juice too. <laughs> right,
0: that's about right. right, right. right. Yeah, don't, 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 I don't think that car is going too far down the block. You're at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. A fascinating conversation with Father Dwight Longenecker. We're going to encourage everyone to go out and buy his book when it's available again because the first run sold out. Okay. It's beheading. Hydra: A Radical Plan for Christians in an Atheistic Age. Uh, Father, I do want to talk a little bit about. You mentioned revolutions, okay? And uh, we're going from from the Protestant Revolution right up till uh, well, techno- the technological revolution and everything in between. The greatest revolutionary of all time is Jesus Christ, okay? Hands down. I mean, to go up, you know, go up against, you know, what he had to, and he won the battle. The victory is his talk about the need to imitate Christ in every way. And that I, obviously because as we said, you're
2: not cutting off Hydra's head. Only Christ oh, can destroy Hydra. Let's make a distinction between revolution and subverse and and, and creative subversion, Please. okay? Revolution is based in a spirit of rebellion and a spirit of destruction. Um, no, every revolution you will notice always in order to succeed, they think they have to destroy what went before, okay? Mm-hmm. A revolutionary is armed with with uh, military might and with a box of matches and with sledgehammers because the revolutionary is always going to destroy what he wants to what he wants to replace creative subversion doesn't do that creative subversion simply lives a different kind of life creative subversion is lighting a candle in the dark okay revolution is cursing the dark. okay Okay. you know the old you know that old saying it's better to light a candle than to curse the dark revolution is based in anger in in rage and revenge creative subversion is just that it's creative it's positive it's light-filled it's radiant and in that way it counters the evil in the world and jesus was not therefore a revolutionary in that sense but he was a creative subversive because he undermined the cruelty of the herod regime the he undermined the greed and the cruelty of the roman empire he undermined the hypocrisy and the foolishness of the jewish rulers simply by being who he was jesus christ the lord you know you talk
1: about the rosary you talk about the first glorious mystery the resurrection the virtue is faith do we take him at his word you see if you take christ at his word i always pray this when i pray that mystery Faith, increase my faith. From that, you will get out of the boat because I believe what you said because you said it. And this is where we fail. We have to get out of the boat in plain English, all of us. And if we do, we will. If 10% of the Catholics in America
2: did that, we'll change the culture tomorrow. We'll change it. It would. However, I'm a little bit hesitant about simply saying, pray the rosary. Um, where your scapula go to mass, go to confession, because if we continue to do those things only out of a sense of duty or only because I'm a good Catholic and that's what good Catholics do, then it will simply be wrote that's a good point routine and wrote we need Mm. to do those things i'm not disagreeing with you but we need to pray that god will fill those activities with the holy spirit so that it really reinvigorates our entire life and transforms us from the inside out the book a new book i'm working on at the moment is going to be a real challenge for me because it's called the way of the wilderness warrior and it's the first book i'm writing on on spirituality and the more I do the research, the more I'm amazed by what I'm discovering. And that is that the Catholic Church makes an astonishing and a terrifying claim for humanity, because it says you can be perfect. You can actually achieve perfection in this life. Now, I was brought up as a Protestant, okay? And Protestants don't believe that. They don't believe in sanctification in this life. They don't believe that you can become perfect in this life, okay? They believe that's something which happens when you get to heaven. Suddenly, you get saved, you go to heaven, and suddenly everything's perfect and wonderful. Catholics actually believe and have believed from the beginning that through God's grace, you can achieve perfection in this life by following the spiritual path. And the path of the the saints, the path of the Carmelite mystics, the path of the Desert Fathers, the path of all the great saints teach us that perfection is possible we go with God, if we let grace flow through our life and we cooperate with God's grace, that we can be purified of our sins, that we can be purified of our wrong thinking, and that we can actually be that glory of God that I described earlier. We can actually achieve that glory of God, the fullness of humanity, the fullness of who God created us to be. Now, this book that I'm writing at the moment is showing how that's going to be able to be done using the hero's path, the classic hero's path in literature, and showing that this is a path that the saints have trod, and that this is a path that is actually possible. Um, and that this is something that, and this is the other astonishing thing that the church says this is not only possible, it is the call and the destiny of each of the baptized. In other words, that's right. not, ju- not just going through the motions, not just checking the boxes that, oh yeah, I did my, my duty as a Catholic, so therefore I'm good, I can go back to normal life. In, in fact, all of us are called to that destiny. And if we don't actually go in that path here and do it now, we have to do it in purgatory afterwards, and it's easier now. So that's better, a good better, point too. Better, that's roll, a up very your, good better point. roll up your sleeves and get on with it.
1: Andrew, Apostoli uh, scared the living daylights out of me in a confession. That's exactly what he said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Father Dwight Long and at the front line
0: with Joe. And Joe, we have about 30 seconds. Any final thoughts for our audience, and please remind everybody, Father, where they will be able to buy your book.
2: Yeah, um, not only to buy my book, but also to go and, and tap into the rest of my content and my blog, which is DwightLongenecker.com. There's um, audio content there. There's video content there. They can, they can support my work as a donor subscriber. Uh, they can browse my bookstore. I've written 20 books. They're all available there on the, on the, on the website. And uh, also be in touch because I like to hear from my readers. So it's called DwightLongenecker.com, my blog website
0: all right and the book will be available uh i hate to say it on amazon but aside from amazon uh the book will be available on your website and Sophia institute press
2: yeah and if you go and purchase it at Sophia or on my website we'll simply put it in the um in the basket of all the other um pre-orders that have come in and when the books come in in mid-january we'll send it out all right
0: i was just going to ask uh, so any of our review, any of our listeners they could pre-order the book
2: yeah and it'll, awesome. it'll, it'll be sent to them automatically when it comes out in january awesome awesome uh
0: father dwight longenecker thank you so much for coming back to the show you honor us by doing so we always have a great conversation with you so we really want to thank you for coming on we also want to thank you all out there at the veritas catholic network we are we are spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york metropolitan area 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial serving westchester northern long island um, and uh, and Fairfield County, Connecticut. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And wherever you see Joe and I on social media, particularly the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV on YouTube, we passed 60,000 subscribers. We want to build up our audience there. Please do something to help us, uh, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. We can keep going and we can keep having great conversations with guests like Father Dwight Longenecker. And remember, until the next time, That our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.